Hello everyone and welcome to episode 10 of the Academica Vertex. I'm your host Ollie, and you can find us on Twitter at the underscore FF Academy. So we had prepared some notes and talking points for the last game week and the upcoming game weeks. However, there's been a small spanner in the works as we've just received the news that the Aston Villa Newcastle game has been cancelled. And I'm sure this will be a headache to many FPL managers as the Villa assets have been very popular over the past few weeks. So this pod will be talking through the best possible solutions for this situation, along with the Man City assets after their 5-0 win. Vani and Man United show their strength to come back against Spurs and we're joined with Aditya Chris and FPL Raptor also known as Ross Dowsett and we'll be talking about the psychology behind FPL and I'm sure you want to listen to that as we get the expert opinion from Ross so I won't keep you waiting any longer um how have you been Ross? Hey mate, yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm I'm really happy to be honest. It's another green arrow. I had a small hiccup last week with a, I think it was about a 30k red arrow, but other than that, since game week game week five, I've been moving up. Um, I've broken to the top one million now, so I'm sitting at around 700k overall rank. And yeah, I'm delighted with my with my game week. It was saved by a very small number of players outperforming my entire team, but nonetheless, it was a, it was a very good week for me. Good to hear, mate, for sure. The same with me, Grealish and Kevin De Bruyne coming in with 10 points each really helped me control the damage from that Vardy captaincy. Uh, and Aditya, how has your game week 10 been? Very well, thanks for asking, mate. And finally, after 10 game weeks, my rank has finally moved in a much positive manner is what I, I've been basically seeing over the last few, few weeks. And it's finally come like, from about a mil or so under 900k so that's a great sign for me and hopefully if things go on the same way then you know the top 10k dream will continue good to hear Dieter, mate hopefully the 10k dream is still alive for all of us and chris how have you been feeling after that game week 10 um despite having a green arrow i think i was a bit disappointed because my hit did not pay off that much as uh, Bowen managed to somehow outscore KDB and Vardy. Well, Vardy was not the worst of uh, picks, but I'm not so happy with the results. But since it's a green arrow, I'll take it and we move. Yeah, green arrow is always really nice to see and uh, making progression up the leagues. Um, but at least Vardy didn't blank and managed to get five points uh, and, uh, with the assist, so uh, definitely could be worse. Yeah, so today, as I said, we'll be talking about this Aston Villa-Newcastle situation and how it affects everyone and the best solutions to go to. Um, as I said, we'll also be talking about the psychology uh, with Ross. So, um, personally, I've got Grealish and Martinez and only one free transfer, so I'm going to have to look to do something with a weak bench. Um, but, but Aditya, how does this affect you? After I just saw this news, I was hoping that this game could be rescheduled probably towards the end of Game Week 11. But as I was just scrolling on Twitter, I saw one of the journalists, I guess, from the BBC saying that he wouldn't expect it to be rescheduled within the next 10 days or so. So I'm not sure what is going to be you know, said by the Premier League. But at the moment, until and unless there is an official confirmation from the Premier League saying that the game will be held in a so-and-so date. I think we'll have to hold on to our transfers and wait. And I do have two transfers at the moment with me. I've, I've not made my moves yet, but depending on the situation and what they announce, basically, when are they going to put this game on the, at which game week is based on that is what I'm going to make a decision. Don't take hasty decisions is what I would say. Just wait 
and let them give an official date wherein then this game is going to be played and then make your moves based on that. Yeah, I think patience is definitely going to be key in making these moves and I'm glad I didn't pull the trigger on transferring Wilson in too early. Um, but Ross, how, how is the uh, sort of uh, break going to affect you? I mean, is it is it particularly worth taking a hit to, to make sure you've got the right players for a starting eleven? I think I think as you've mentioned, it is key to to wait for that information to find out because if it's scheduled for the end of game week eleven and it doesn't affect us too much, it just means a slight delay, and that's fine. Equally, if there's a du double game week in game week twelve for some of these players, it will be worth hanging on to them because then we could maybe captain them for the double game week. So it's important to wait for that news. But I mean, I've got Watkins, Grealish, and Jamal Lewis, so I'm lucky to have a full playing bench. So in for me comes Charlie Taylor, Brewster. And Lewis was going to be on my bench anyway. So I can field a full 11 currently, but um, I would potentially be looking at maybe taking out Watkins or Lewis if we get the news that it's not going to be in the next few weeks their fixture. Yeah, well, I certainly think at times like these, it's very important to have a strong bench. And that's uh, not what I've got. I've got Mitchell, Kilman and Jorginho who have all lost their places. So, Chris, I'm not going to be able to field a full 11 uh, with it for certain. So I'll only be able to have 10. So do you think, uh, in your opinion, that it's worth for FPL managers to take a minus four to be able to field a full 11 or it's not worth the hit? Um, in my opinion, no. And that's because I just think that minus four uh, should be for a really good reason and mainly to jump on a player, maybe if you're being priced out or something. In this situation, I think, especially for Villa players, you should hold on to them because if if you, let's say, fill 10 players, how do you know that uh, the the player you bring in will manage to surpass that minus four, even by a lot? And then I think like players like Rilish or Watkins, I think they offered really good value, so... I think getting rid of them for one game isn't isn't really wise, especially for a hit. So if you have a good bench, I, I think that's the best thing you can do. And even if you have someone who's not uh, playing, uh, fielding 10 players is not so bad if you can nail your captain option. At the end of the day, you can still have a respectable score. Yeah, potentially a hit, not necessary here, as you said, maybe to get big players when they're priced out or to bring in a captain. Um, but uh, So I'm maybe going to just have to put up with zero points from Jorginho. Um, however, I'm looking at Martinez, and he's only had one clean sheet in the last five games, and he got one point against West Ham and one point against Brighton and none against Southampton. So, Aditya, do you think this is now the perfect time to get Emiliano Martinez out? If if you had Emiliano Martinez since he was priced 4.5 and he's currently hitting 4.8 or so, so I think it's the best thing you can transfer him out and take out the cash and get in another keeper. But again, as I said, if the news is confirmed that they're not going to play in game week 11, they don't play in game week 12 or so, then, uh, I mean, if the, they get a double game week in game week 12 again, then I think it doesn't make sense transferring out. And uh, maybe someone like Glenn Messlier from Leeds, because Leeds have a good runoff game from about game week 12 onwards. They do face United and Spurs, but overall, he has looked good over the last few games, so can take a point for 4.5. So, McCarthy, Mesley, and maybe someone like uh, Nick Pope. 
Well, those are some great replacement options if you feel like you do want to get him out. But of course, we're waiting on the news whether he has the double game week or not. Um, and uh, for sure, if he has a double game week in the near future, I definitely think he'd be worth holding on to. However, Chris, um, an option is to get two keepers uh, and have rotating keepers and have maybe uh, some another keeper like McCarthy as your second keeper. So how would you feel about uh, rotating keepers? Um, personally... Uh, at the start of the season, I really didn't think that having two playing keepers was a wise choice. But um, I think as we are into the season, we're really understanding uh, the effect of COVID uh, in the fixtures and how they can get postponed from one moment to another. Or someone might just catch COVID and before you know it, your keeper is in isolation. So that's uh, really something that we should uh, take in consideration for the rest of the season. Um, I like uh, Ryan, who I've not been so happy with, but I think Leeds should keep more clean sheets now with Calvin Phillips. I think they look really solid and they should be getting those clean sheets. So I think uh, uh, Ryan and Messler could be good, two good options. And But I just don't think uh, Martinez is worth getting out. If anyone is thinking of getting him rid of him, I just don't think it's worth to spend a transfer on your, on your goalkeeper. What would you say it may, may not be worth spending a transfer on that goalkeeper, but I think the strategy this season has got to be having a strong bench, as I said earlier. I mean, it's the first time we've really seen a whole fixture be wiped because of COVID. We saw players like Salah and Mane miss games because of COVID, but it's the first time we've seen two real teams miss COVID and now um, with potentially Wilson having a double game week do you think uh, at that price of 6.5 uh, he's really worth getting in Ross? I I would suggest that now with Watkins maybe being off penalties and potentially missing the next game but we'll see but with Watkins probably off penalties now I'd say that Wilson's the best value at, around that price range perhaps even more so than Bamford He's a dead cert to start because they have no other fit strikers that, I mean, Jolinton, <laughs> he got that hole in the last game week, but he's probably not long-term an option. So you know he's going to play 90 minutes. He's on penalties. And because he's their talisman, you'd expect that if they can score 40 goals across the season, you wouldn't be at all surprised if he got 20 of those goals. So to have an informed striker on penalties scoring around 50% of the goals for their team, I don't think you can really look past him, especially with those upcoming fixtures. So, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be interested in him, potentially as a replacement for Watkins after their game. Um, but, yeah, I like the look of Wilson a lot. I mean, one one striker around that price range that I think has gone a bit under the radar has been Mikel Antonio. I mean, he scored against Arsenal, Leicester and Man City in those really difficult opening fixtures that West Ham had this season. Um, he's just come back from injury and it has been hamstring, which hasn't been great. But um, his fixtures do look to be... Uh, a lot better after Man United in game week 11 and he's gone down from 6.5 to 6.2 Ross so do you think that potentially Mikel Antonio is, is the bandwagon to jump on before everyone else does at 2% ownership I, I think probably absolutely uh, there was a lot of discussion of him earlier on in the season uh, around game week 9 to bring him in um, and obviously he picked up that injury so I think Mikel Antonio will be quite a popular choice I mean Che Adams for me if I was choosing an option around 6 million Obviously, Wilson 6.5. But if I was going for Bamford, Adams or Antonio, with the fixtures and the form, I'd probably go for Che Adams. So I think Adams and Antonio will both go under the radar and are both great options if you don't want to go for Wilson or Bamford. 
and despite a blank game week for Wilson and Watkins in the next fixture, I'm sure they'll be receiving a double game week and hopefully in the near future for FPL managers. So we've talked about the best strikers and best options uh, around the 6 million mark and also the Aston Villa, Newcastle and how that will affect our teams going forward. But obviously Ross is also a lecturer in sports psychology and has written lots of articles about uh, psychology and FPL and there are some various questions that we've got from Twitter and uh, would be good to ask. Um, so starting with basically FOMO, the fear of missing out and how does that impact one's FPL game? Yeah, so this is a really popular topic in, in psychology and especially in relation to social media. So for those of you that don't know, fear of missing out is, I suppose, the apprehension of others succeeding and having fun whilst you're left kind of in misery. So it's essentially the idea that you're worried that other people on Twitter and other people in the FPL community will be having fun and succeeding. And meanwhile, you're left there not. So the most common example of this is when there's a bandwagon starts to form and everyone jumps on one player and they bring that player into captain them and you're left there worrying that hey I, not only do i not own this player i don't captain them so you have that fear of missing out on that haul the way that that so the big one this week would be vardy okay so i think a lot of people probably brought vardy in and captained him not only because he was playing fulham but also because they were fearful that everyone else would do it and as a result they wouldn't get any points so I think that fear of missing out, if you let it control your behaviours, will lead to you transferring in players based on fear and apprehension, as opposed to transferring players and captaining players that you think will do well. So I had the choice this week to bring in De Bruyne and captain him, or to bring in Vardy and captain him. And I completely ignored FOMO. I completely ignored all the people that were transferring in Vardy, because I genuinely believed that De Bruyne was the better captaincy option over the next two weeks. So I looked at Vardy playing Fulham. He doesn't play particularly well against low block teams. And I tried to avoid the fear of everyone bringing him in because my timeline was absolutely full with, with people bringing him in and captaining him. Saw a couple of triple captains as well. So I, I guess the way that fear of missing out can control our behaviour is that it can lead us to make decisions based on fear rather than logic or gut feeling. And my gut feeling, logic and analysis was that De Bruyne would have the better week. So if you understand fear of missing out and you make sure that you don't let it control your emotions, then you can make more rational decisions and in, in the process optimize your decision making. Yeah, I think that's it's a perfect explanation. And I think it's probably at one point maybe happened to all of us really. For me last season it was was Pookie and, and uh, everyone's Pookie party saw all over Twitter, oh Pookie got me so many points against Man City. I bring him in, he stopped scoring. So yeah, very interesting answer there. Um, and also another thing that I was uh, wondering about is, should we avoid using social media platforms while taking FPL-related decisions like uh, Twitter? My opinion is this, this is completely personalised to the sort of individual that you are and how suggestible you are and how much you value the opinion of others. But my advice would be, no, you don't need to log off of Twitter necessarily when you're making decisions. What I would advise is, is two things. Do not run polls <laughs> for advice anyway. You can run polls to see what people think, but do not run polls such as should I captain this player, this player, or this player. There's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, people can lie, which is a horrible thing to say, but people can lie because they don't want you to captain a certain player because they think another player might be more uh, less captainable and as such they're trying to convince you to captain that person. The other thing is you get no information. So if someone says that you should captain Vardy over De Bruyne, you don't know why. Is it because that they think the defence is worse on the team they're playing? Is it because they own Vardy? And that's the other thing. People tend to give the opinion 
of what they're doing. So if I'm captaining De Bruyne this week and you ask me who I think is the best captaincy choice, I will naturally say De Bruyne because that's the person I've captained. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's the correct thing to do. So my advice would be you don't need to log off of Twitter, but attempt to stop running polls and asking the general Twitter population what you should do and try and select a few managers that you really respect and appreciate and that you know can give unbiased opinions. So I have a few people that speak to me in my DMs about what they're doing. And I will always give my unbiased opinion. And if you can find someone like that, I think that is more useful than just scrolling through Twitter or asking generally the Twitter population, what should I do this week? For sure. I think the unbiased opinions are, are really good. I mean, like, um, I, obviously, FPL is a friendly game as well as a competitive game. Um, I'd like to make a question to Ross uh, of mine, a question of mine. And that would be, um, how do you think we should like write off uh, the past few game weeks, the past ten game weeks, and focus on improving? And at the same time, learning from our mistakes without being affected by any decisions we have made in the past, like on a psychological uh, matter. Cool, great question. Um, I'll take that two steps because it'd be difficult to try and approach that situation in one go uh, from a psychological point of view. So taking it, how can we learn from our mistakes? There's a few key things is uh, firstly, try not to look at it as mistakes. So if you've transferred in a player rashly or you've been too differential with your captain, see that as a learning experience. Okay, so my favorite quote is you cannot have the highs without the lows. So if you had no low experiences, the high experiences, just they simply wouldn't be high anymore. That would become the norm. So without having these experiences that are negative and negatively affect you, the high experiences and the euphoria that you experience when you have positive captaincy decisions, they wouldn't feel as positive. So try and accept the lows as part of life, as part of a learning experience. And also try to avoid outcome bias. So it's, it's something that I rave about in all of my articles is, is outcome bias. So try and focus on the decision-making process as opposed to the outcome. If you believe that you made the right decision and that you made it with sound logic, but the outcome wasn't the one that you wanted or expected, don't stress over it. We can't control the outcome. It's 11 players playing 11 players randomly. We can't control what those players do. It's not FIFA. So if you've made the decision with a sound mind, I would say try and avoid uh, evaluating it based on the outcome. So that's how we can learn from our mistakes is to try and learn from the decision-making process as, as opposed to the outcome. And, and also by seeing those mistakes, as learning experiences. Um, how can we cope with bad game weeks because we've all had them? Or how can we cope with having a poor season? So if you're, ranked, if you're listening to this and you're ranked in the millions, how can you cope with that? I would say the easiest way to do that is, is a psychological tool known as psychological or self-distancing. So psychological distancing is essentially removing yourself from the here and now. So distancing yourself from the emotional situation you're currently in, uh, detaching yourself and seeing the bigger picture. So the way to do this, the best way to do this, I have a little phrase that I use all the time and I always tell my family, think to yourself, in five years time, will I be worrying that? And then explain the situation. So if you captain Raheem Sterling this week and your vice captain wasn't a great one, you could say, in five years time, will I be worrying that Raheem Sterling blanked in game week 10 of the 2020-21 FPL season? And the answer will inevitably be no. You won't even probably be thinking about FPL. So by distancing yourself from the current situation you're in and detaching yourself from the emotions that you currently feel, you can hopefully begin to enjoy FPL more and see it for the game that it is. 
So yeah, just to recap, avoid outcome bias, see the, the mistakes more as learning experiences, and then just try to distance yourself and see the bigger picture and think that this is a small part of my life that I'm meant to enjoy and is meant to give me an escape from, from the crap that we're experiencing in the real world. So do your best to, to distance yourself in that fashion. Sorry, that was a bit of a long answer. That was a great, great answer. And it's, it's brilliant to have um, someone who, who knows so much about the FPL and the, the psychology behind it as well, because I think there's, there's, we've all had points where uh, um, we feel, feel uh, like that. And um, I mean, for me, uh, Ross, when, when I have a decision in FPL or my player gets one point and then I see Wilson get 12 or something and I, I sort of uh, want to knee-jerk uh, and want to just get them in straight away, I mean, we all know that's the wrong thing to do um, because even this week there's a, a current example that you know Newcastle have been ruled out. So uh, imagine I did that and it would have just been a, a massive headache for me. But... Um, it's great to, to be able to wait and hear the press conferences, but when is when is the best time, do you think, to make your transfers? So, so psychologically speaking, and I'm going to start with that because I know people get on to me for this, um, do not worry about team value. Okay, Team value helps you if you're in a position, because if you're ranked at 5 million at Christmas, but you've got a fantastic team value, that's going to be a very little help to you. The main thing is that you can wait and make well-informed decisions. I do think there are cases where you can jump early if you're going to be priced out and there are no good options outside of that price range. And I'll give the example. So I could have done Rodriguez and Son to Salah and Jota straight after this previous game week from game week 10. And I've waited and obviously Jota's gone up and Rodriguez has gone down. So I now can't make that move. But I know there are other moves that I can make and I want to, and I'm glad I've waited because I might have potentially three or four players out. I've got Tellers, who's yellow flagged, and I've got three players that are potentially missing a game. So I think the best advice is wait, wait for the press conference. And my advice following the game week to, to stop you making immediate transfers is, is exercise. Okay. So um the, the endorphins that it releases and the serotonin in the brain. Exercise is a great way to relieve some stress and it'll also help you kind of put things into perspective. And, and just try and be patient um, and try and exercise that. And I think that might be a good point to log off of Twitter. So my number one piece of advice, if you have a game week that you're not happy with, please do not scroll through Twitter and look at all the fantastic scores. If you're someone that's negatively affected by seeing other people succeed, then do not scroll through Twitter. I'm lucky enough that if other people are succeeding and I'm not, it doesn't necessarily affect me. But if you are someone that does, please just log off of Twitter, go spend some time with your family and friends and try and uh, avoid uh, mulling over the weekend because that is when you'll make those knee-jerk transfers. You're very unlikely to knee-jerk on a Wednesday. The timing that you'll knee-jerk is a Monday night or a Tuesday morning. So try and avoid that. And the best way to do that is just log off of Twitter, forget about your team and, and reassess midweek. Thanks for those answers, Ross. That was really insightful to be able to see the sort of psychological aspects of FPL, uh, when to make your transfers in a, in a psychological point, um, and and everything for those. So those answers were absolutely brilliant. Um, and and back onto now, more of a sort of a non-psychological FPL. So, Aditya, Man City, they uh, they scored five, and Mars got a hat trick against that Burnley team. Um, I finally fell in and played Pep Roulette. Uh, I brought Cancelo in, who's been playing all season. And uh, the one week when I bring him in, he doesn't start and get any minutes. Uh, so I've got a Kilman one-point cameo off the bench. Um, but 
Are they now a must-own with those fixtures going forward? I mean, their form looked pretty poor. Uh, they managed to lose 5-2 to Leicester, and they didn't look too good. But recently, with that 5-0 win and Fulham next, is it, are they now a team to target, Aditya? I think definitely we did cover this in the last episode of the podcast. And I think me and Chris clearly told you, don't transfer out Dallas for Kansi. And, and you did it. And... <laughs> The thing is, that if, he, if he starts against Burnley, that's at least a guaranteed six points. I mean, Dallas was kind of lucky to get to get a clean sheet there. But if he starts versus Burnley, that's, in my opinion, guaranteed six points, maybe more from assists. But I do, I do take your point. Um, but it, it's it was a bit unfortunate. I mean, the only games they missed were, were the first three, and he played pretty much every single one since then. I'm not blaming you for making the transfer, but the issues with Pep is that you never know who's going to be benched for which game week and you know how things are going to go. That's the issue. And I think a lot of people couldn't manage to get in De Bruyne because of the price rise. He went 11.6 and some of them got in Sterling and they captained him. And he was on the bench and he never made even on as a sub. So he was rested, I think, in that game. So even for me, I don't have De Bruyne. I have Salah, Son, and Bruno Fernandes. And with De Bruyne's, I think his price at around 11.7 is definitely a worry for me because I don't know from where I'm going to get in firms and who I'm going to ship out. Because Liverpool are looking good. I think Arsenal are pretty bad. So Spurs are going to have a field day. And United are playing West Ham, although the game could be difficult. But then United, they also play, uh, I think, Man City the next game week afterwards. But Bruno Fernandes overall has been looking good. So, I don't know whom to transfer out and how to get in a Man City play or not. But the issue with respect to Riyad Mahrez and all is that we don't know whether he's going to be a consistent player or not. Whether if he's going to be benched and if we see Sterling, Torres and Jesus play or we see Foden play or we see Bernardo Silva play. With the amount of you know luxury that Pep Guardiola has, it's very difficult to pinpoint and predict which of the you know, players from Manchester is going to definitely start. But at the moment, I feel De Bruyne is the safest option. And if you got, if you want to get in someone, get in De Bruyne from, in terms of the offensive aspect. Defensive-wise, defense-wise, I would possibly maybe get Ruben Diaz because I think the last game, uh, Laporte was benched and I think John Stones played alongside Ruben Diaz. So I think Diaz is pretty much nailed. Walker will also start. But the issue is that with Mendy back and Kansio got rested, Kansio could you know replace Walker on the right hand side, and Walker could be given a rest or so. So again, that's a problem for us, and we don't know who's going to play when. So easiest thing is that get in Kevin De Bruyne if you want from Man City. That's the easiest solution. Mm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. De Bruyne is, is uh, I think, owners and non-owners were happy with that that score. I mean, of only ten points, that could have been so so many more in that 5-0 victory um, so owners were happy with the 10 points and I think non-owners got away with it as well so I think uh, we'll definitely see his ownership go up a lot more I mean uh, the last podcast we were recording um, he was on about 15% um, and now it's it's gone up to 20 and I, I guarantee that will keep going up and up um, so yeah I think um, De Bruyne and Man City are definitely something to target um, and there's, there's maybe becoming a bit of a template midfield with De Bruyne, Salah, Fernandez, uh, Grealish, um, but with uh, Salah's ownership still being under thirty percent, Chris, do you think that Jota is potentially a, a, re- a cheap replacement for Salah in that midfield? 
Um, I'm actually been thinking about this because it's a really uh, interesting topic for anyone who sold Salah uh, last game week, and that's me. So I think uh, Jota can really be a bargain at his price, and I really want to get him. But I'm, I just don't think he could be enough because Liverpool have a great fixture turn from game week 12, if I'm not wrong, when they play Fulham. And from then, they have really nice fixtures, which is also why I'm not keen on selling Robertson either. Because I just think he he's going to get some really nice holes over that period with Liverpool having to play Palace, West Brom, Newcastle, Burnley until game week 18. So I think these fixtures provide really high ceiling for both uh, Robertson and the attacking uh, players. Except Fermin, of course, who doesn't even score. But um, um, I just think that a develop is really on my mind. And I think uh, by game 12, we will have a more uh, complete uh, view of the things. And I think uh, it's very possible that I get both because I just don't think one is enough. Yeah, for sure. And Ross, I've just had a quick look at your team before the podcast and I've noticed that you have no Liverpool players in your team. Um, is, is that a slightly concerning for you and will you be targeting Jota and, and Salah in the upcoming weeks? Great question. So um, a, a couple of weeks ago when obviously Salah tested positive for COVID, I took himself and Trent, who I've had since game week one, frustratingly. I transferred them both out for Tellers and Fernandes because Trent wasn't looking like he'd be back anytime soon and I wasn't sure how many game weeks Salah would be out and I was trying a new aggressive tactic of transferring in premium captains, which worked for me. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking at my team now and there is a severe lack of Liverpool players. The plan for this week was to roll my transfer, which would allow me to decide whether I wanted to go for Salah and downgrade elsewhere or go for Jota and then I can upgrade elsewhere. So unfortunately, it looks like I won't be able to roll my transfer now. So it might be getting in Jota for Hammers Rodriguez is probably the easiest way to do it. But I agree completely with Chris. I don't think for a second that Jota will come close to Salah by the end of the season. Salah's got penalties and he's also got that additional haul ability, whereas Jota looks like he's more likely to score one or two goals as a maximum. So ideally I want Salah, but it looks like, unfortunately, with the other issues I've got, that it'll be Jota for the time being. Yeah, well, I mean, since since game week four, we haven't really seen a big score from James Rodriguez where he got that 18-point haul against Brighton. So have you been slightly disappointed with his performances and is he definitely going to be exiting your team soon? I mean, I know he has Burnley next, which are a weakened side after that uh, 5-0 hammering and no Nick Pope, I don't know when he's back. Um, but are you going to be targeting Hamas Rodriguez and getting him out after sort of six game weeks of low scores? Absolutely. I think even... I rarely say this sort of thing because I like to be reactive and adaptive in FPL. But even if Rodriguez gets a double-digit haul, he'll be coming out for me. He's a he's a fantastic player to watch. But, I mean, annoyingly, because I hated it when people told me this when I got him in, but he does often look to assist the assist. Um, he's got that hockey assist in him and he'll be playing some beautiful passes. But frustratingly, it appears that he'll either blank or haul. He doesn't have that in between where he's providing one assist or one goal per game. So um, almost 100% come game week 12, Rodriguez won't be in my team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's a great player to watch uh, in the Premier League. And we were saying this in, uh, I believe, one of the earlier podcasts, Aditya, and, and uh, it was great to watch him. Um, but 
who knows how, how many uh, points he's really going to be able to, to rack up and as you say assisting the assister which is slightly frustrating as as an owner um, so Aditya um, Vardy party doesn't go to plan as Fulham win 2-1 against the Foxes um, I can't remember if you were an owner of Vardy this week or, or not but um, uh, I think uh, owners uh, were, were slightly disappointed to see that blank were they not? Definitely I mean uh, I didn't have Vardy so I was pretty happy with my party here with him almost getting just three points or so. But if if we take a look at the next two games for uh, Leicester, they play Sheffield and Brighton. So the party is not over yet. So there's still two game weeks to go and he could, he could potentially haul in one of the games now. But uh, as a non-owner, I was pretty happy with the way they played. But even though numbers-wise, Leicester offensively didn't play that well. And I was saying it in the last episode that, you know, the numbers don't look that great. And they might not be able to score a lot of goals. Because if I take a look at the number of goal attempts they had in the last two game weeks, I think it's 27. And they created roughly about 21 chances. And uh, their goal conversion is, I think, around 12 percentage. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, definitely the next two game weeks does look good for RD owners. So he could possibly, you know, fall massively in one of the two games. So the party is not over yet for the owners, but for non-owners, sorry, I mean, we'll have to find a way to get him in if you want to join the party. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was watching that game and it was so frustrating and um, I mean, I brought Vardy in specifically for that Fulham game and Fulham now face um, uh, Man City and then Liverpool, so I think a lot of people will be targeting uh, Diogo Jota. Uh, after that Wolves game or maybe even for that Wolves game where he faces his old club but then Fulham is a brilliant fixture for Liverpool um, so yeah I think uh, very disappointed as, as a Vardy captain but at least he got an assist in it and it wasn't a blank uh, right so now a bit more of a, an open question the more general FPL wasn't not particularly looking at uh, only game week 10 um, Salah versus Son versus De Bruyne versus Fernandez. if you could own two of those four um, which two would they be, Chris and, and Ross and everyone? So, Chris, out of those Salah, Son, uh, De Bruyne and Fernandes, which two of those four? Um, I think, believe it or not, I'm I'm not going to choose De Bruyne. And I think this is a really, really strange option because I, I don't uh, own Fernandes or Salah, but I did own Salah. Uh, but I think Salah and Fernandez are such, are much more of a talisman to their teams because Fernandez just if he doesn't play well, United are really a shit team. Uh, no offense, but <laughs> I just don't think they. If Fernandez doesn't, he's not on his day. I just don't think there's anyone at the moment who can really step up and carry the team. So I just think everything goes through him. And now that we see Ole playing in a more uh, in a different formation that allows him to get more forward, I think that's really positive. And I think I will look to get him in at some point in the future because it's really interesting how he always manages to rack the points up. And it, it, it bothers me, but at the same time, I just want to get him in. So I think it's KDB out for me. I mean, I, personally, I have to disagree with you on that one. I mean, Salah and De Bruyne, they're like season keepers for me. 
it's difficult because Son can be so explosive and, and rack up so many points, but then there's weeks where he'll he'll blank as well. So uh, with Son, it's more about the fixtures and form. But Salah and De Bruyne, I feel like, especially putting emphasis on Salah, I mean, um, I'm pretty sure there there's not been many weeks where he's been out of my team. And Fernandez, for me personally, is a tricky one because I do love enjoying and watching the football and when I see Man United and I think in detail we had a, a conversation slash debate on Twitter about this but when we, I see Fernandez um, and Man United playing poorly and Fernandez still managed to get 15 points it can be so frustrating as a non-owner but a DJ out of those four which two would you pick? Before I start Oli I'll say it again don't be shy cry some more and it's not. It's not. It's not fair. You deserve to lose to Southampton, hundred percent. James Will Prowse. If nah, I'm no, no, sure, no. if Southampton had Danny Ings, I'm sure they would have won that. See, the issue is that if Oli had played Kawani right up from the start, the result would have been different. And the issue is that when United generally defend set pieces, they kind they kind of use I think zonal marking rather than the man to man stuff. And what happens is that they just mark one area, and I don't know they get some more test right and they let in a goal. Both the goals they considered were from set pieces, right? I think one was from a free kick from Watford, and one was a corner. I think it was uh, Bettnerik, if I'm not wrong, who managed to score. But at the end, Fernandez scored a goal. And with Kawani subbed on in the second half, Kawani managed to score one. And then Kawani managed to score second one, the winner. And as I think Chris said rightly, uh, if Fernandez doesn't play well, United don't play well. What happens is that that was pretty much evident is what I wanted to say. In the first half, he was misplacing a lot of passes, not running a lot. They look kind of lethargic and all. And that's why they considered two goals. But in the second half, once Mason Greenwood got subbed off, uh, I think when Kawani came in, he started to drop in deep and started to collect the ball, which allowed you know more of a fluid movement of Rashford, Fernandez, and Van der Beek, which allowed them to attack more. So I think Fernandez is definitely a must own in my opinion, and maybe Mo Salah. These two players are definitely I have in my team. Uh, Son and Dibrane is based pretty much on how they are playing based on their form and what run of fixtures they're going to have. At the moment, I don't have Dibrane. I have Hyunmin Son. And I'm definitely worried because the next game Man City play is Fulham. And the next game Spurs play is Arsenal. But Arsenal, I think, are have lost their last two games in a row. And they are not looking that good. Defensively, Arsenal are slightly better. Offensively, they are lacking confidence. But... Uh, I feel I need to maybe transfer out Son for De Bruyne, but we'll have to wait and see with the Aston Villa situation and all. I can't really commit to a transfer at the moment. But the two must-owns, I think it's Fernandes and Salah for me. Yeah. Um, and Ross, which would be your two? So, if they were equal prices, uh, the answer would quite easily be De Bruyne and Salah for me. Uh, just season keepers. I disagree with the comment that De Bruyne is based on form and fixtures. I think we're just basing that off of this season so far. Man City have struggled. But in past seasons, we've seen De Bruyne haul against teams like Liverpool and Arsenal, Manchester United. It doesn't really matter mm. who he's playing. I, so, I think I said um, Son was more form and fixtures, but De Bruyne was more yeah. of a season keeper. But, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, but if they, if they were the same price, De Bruyne and Salah. But I think ideally what you're looking at is De Bruyne, Salah, and then one of Fernandes and Son. I think that those as a trio... I don't think you can really get away with having all four without having a very unbalanced team. But I think De Bruyne and Salah 
with the addition of one of the other two would be the ideal situation. Mm. Or De Bruyne, I mean, he's almost like you want him for the big games. Um, like he, he's a big game performer and then sometimes doesn't doesn't perform against the smaller teams. Um, so yeah, that was an interesting interesting debate and to, to hear everyone's answers, me and Ross went with Salah and, and KDB and uh, Aditya with, with Fernandez instead. Um, but yeah, so it, it's I think many of them are must own and, and Son will see how he is against the, the tougher teams and with Arsenal I'm expecting something something big, uh, a big score there. Um, so uh, this season uh, has got a bit back more to normal from the first few weeks. We saw really high scoring game weeks, like a, I think game week two or something um, was like a record breaking game week with the most goals ever in, in one week for the Premier League. Um, teams are expected for uh, goals and clean sheets and, and are now providing them. Um, so. Uh, yeah, so it will be an in- interesting situation to see how it goes forward from here. Um, uh, but something I wanted to talk about was um, we saw, unfortunately, Rule Jimenez suffer a bad injury and um, we're still sort of waiting on some news about what what his his career is going to be like and whether he can continue playing because um, we know like Petr Cech, he was able to wear a cap, um, but outfield players obviously cannot um but wolves they're gonna be missing Raul Jimenez in the peak of his form so um I know that a lot of a lot of managers perhaps had Wolves defenders like Cody and Kilman and uh well Podence a while ago but um with no talisman up front it are Wolves now a team to avoid in my opinion Wolves have been underwhelming this season uh, we always knew that they they're not the team to score many goals or uh, give you those big holes, but I think especially Jimenez, who I hope uh, recovers soon and he, and that he will be able to play again, because um, he he has been a really good player over the past seasons, and I've enjoyed watching him and having him in my team. But at the moment, I just think uh, that Wolves don't really offer that great value, and their fixtures are not great either. So I just don't think you should be going for them if you have them. I think if there are other fires to your team, especially now with the fixture postponement, that you should keep them. Uh, but if you have a, a transfer in mind, I think getting rid of them is not a bad option at all. Because you, you see Pedence and Neto, who has been good, as I, I've heard. I haven't seen him. But I think he's been good. And he's a really like lively player who who gets involved. So I think... They're not such bad shouts, but uh, I wouldn't go for them as I think they don't really have a high ceiling. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I really hope that Jimenez gets better and can continue to play football, of course. But this does mean that there will be uh, an empty striker spot in the in the team. And we saw uh, Wolves purchase Fabio Silva as their record signing. They haven't particularly used him much, and uh, he's, I, th- I believe he's quite cheap in FPL. So, um, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll wait to see if he does start and does play. Um, however, do you think Fabio Silva could potentially be uh, an option at 5.2 million? Well, right now, I just don't think we, we can have an opinion on that. We should see if he starts, first of all, and then if he plays well. I mean, at, at that price tag, I think he's going to be a good option. It also depends on how long is Jimenez going to be out. 
But um, if someone's looking for a really, really differential and cheap striker, then maybe if he plays well, he's going to be an option. Why not? Yeah, I mean, we saw him get just over 60 minutes uh, in the previous in the previous game. So, yeah, best best wishes to uh, Jimenez, and, and hopefully he does he does recover um, soon. Um, anyway, uh, onto a slightly new subject is uh, Leeds United. I mean, uh, I've been owning Bamford as I said uh, for a while, uh, and for four game weeks after the Aston Villa, and uh, he's managed to get one return in those four that I've owned him. Um, they f he faces uh, Chelsea, uh, Man United uh, in his next uh, four, so it's slightly difficult as, as long with West Ham. But um, we saw we saw him play uh, pretty well uh, against Aston Villa, who in game week six who were a very top side, and we were expecting Aston Villa to win that game, but yeah, he won that comfortably. So um, from Leeds United, not just talking about Patrick Bamford, Aditya, which which players would you be targeting? I think the first one would be their midfielder. That's I think Rafina, and uh, the other one would be Dallas because he's kind of playing out of position at the moment. So these would be the two players that I would be, you know, possibly trying to get in. I think after game week twelve. Mm, for sure. I mean, I transferred Dallas out, but um, yeah, hopefully. Uh, and just one other question: as a United fan yourself, Aditya. Um, Cavani is he now a, a differential option to consider around eight million? I mean, uh, will he start over Martial or potentially playing two up top? Do you think that? Um, do you think that that Cavani is an option? I think it's definitely an option because I think as far as what Oli said uh, today during the press conference, it's pre-match before the Champions League game. He did say that other than De Gea and Henderson, who are just rooted to just one spot, that's the goalkeeper position, obviously. He says that the other players are flexible enough to play anywhere. So, he doesn't rule out the fact that we'd be, we'd be possibly seeing Rashford, Kavani, Martial as the front three. So, he doesn't rule that out. And with the situation with FA going on with Kavani, basically, or the comments which he, which he made on Instagram, uh, we'll have to wait and see if he's possibly getting a ban or so for that. I'm worried about that, if he's getting a ban or for that. So, if he doesn't get a ban, and if there's some apology, written apology and some you know, stuff which they have to do, then I think Kawani is definitely an option to consider. I think it's just priced eight. And the way United are playing, and which was evident in the last game against Southampton, is what I was saying, is that Kawani was able to drop in behind, started to collect the ball, and he started to help out offensively also, which allowed Fernandes and Rashford and all to make runs in between and even went the big to somewhat join in and, you know, create spaces. And which then allowed Kawani also to, you know, pass the ball and move ahead and, you know, try to score goals. So, definitely an option to consider, Edinson Kawani. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see if he, he gets a ban for that. I'm not particularly sure of a touchy subject. Uh, I mean, I, I saw on Twitter that someone said that he was just saying sweetheart, but I'm not going to comment on that because I'm not 100% uh, sure myself, but we'll just have to see um, the news on that. Um, Ross, we were talking about Antonio and, and potentially uh, a player to get in before everyone else does. West Ham winning streak continues as they beat Aston Villa. Um, would we? And I have Kufal on my team as well. Um, which West Ham assets are the ones to target now? 
You want me to share my secret? Okay, I'm looking at Ben Rama. I think a lot of people will be because the, the few appearances he's made from the bench have been absolutely superb. His quality for Brentford um, was unrivaled in the championship, really, apart from Ollie Watkins, who also was his Brentford teammate. So I had a quick look at the stats and he's, he's returned in over 60% of his games for Brentford in the championship. He had more goals than assists as well. So he's not just providing for his teammates. He's quite a direct goal threat. And I genuinely believe that he could be one of the best assets um, in, in FPL. So even more so than Antonio, I'll be looking at Ben Rama. The only issue I do have is that David Moyes as a manager, when he goes one or two goals up, he tends to just sit back and protect the lead, which means that I know Antonio got the big haul last year, but you don't tend to see two bigger hauls from their players. And then after that, I think Kufal is probably the, their best defensive option just because he's nice and cheap and he does get forward. But if you're looking for attacking returns and a clean sheet, then you can't really go wrong with Cresswell with that sweet left foot. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, <laughs> we'll say it quietly, but West Ham, they do look like they're going to be pretty good going forward. I mean, uh, apart from Man United next, I think potentially that uh, Leeds United will be the, the fixture that I personally get Antonio in. Uh, I'm predicting that to be uh, potentially quite an open game as Leeds have brought such a, an interesting style to the Premier League. Um, and then after game week 15, where they play Brighton, their fixtures get better and better. So, um, yeah, and uh, it, they, they look like they're going to be a really big threat with players like Bowen, Ben Rama, Antonio. I mean, uh, they look great going forward. And, um, yeah, those Brentford assets that were last season uh, were so good in the championship. And uh, good to see this kind of, this kind of quality uh, going over to to the Premier League um, uh, opinions on on captaincy choices. I mean, uh, this week. I mean, we know that that Fulham play Man City and De Bruyne will be a very uh, popular captain. But in terms of differential captaincy choices, um, I mean, Son plays Arsenal, which I don't think he'll be too widely captain. Arsenal haven't been too poor defensively, but I think Spurs could definitely open them up. But do you have any differential picks, Aditya? I think the first one would be uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I think definitely the differential option in terms of captaincy picks. Maybe uh, one of the Chelsea players like Timo Werner and Kieran uh, Melson. I think these three would be probably one of the less uh, captaincy choices known around. But uh, in terms of differential, but the obvious one would be obviously Kevin De Bruyne and Bruno Fernandes and the others like Mo Salah and all but uh, those would be my captaincy options but uh, I saw a lot of questions on Twitter and I wanted to ask Ross was that uh, you did post a tweet I guess a few hours back saying that uh, based on the captaincy number I think that's uh, for the last 10 game weeks you I think backed around 178 points and I did roughly about 150 so there were many people who were asking you, like, what is basically your thought process and how you basically decide on getting the right guy and how do you basically pick the right guy and put the armband on him? So the first thing, my recommendation, and I'm going to say that it's definitely my recommendation, that this is not necessarily the best way to do it. I wasn't very lucky with my captaincies last year, but I would say that avoid ownership altogether. Do not captain a player based on ownership and do not captain a player equally if they have low ownership so I wouldn't be looking at if you can have a differential or captaining the favorite player I would personally look at who do you think will score the most points 
And that sounds like an obvious point, but sometimes we don't look at our team in that way. We look at it as if, remember when, when Kane and um, Kane and Son were playing West Brom and people were like, well, Son's so alone that he's going to get in behind that West Brom defence. But I think it was really the fear of missing out and trying to make it, make sure you captain the highest owned player. So my first thing is I completely ignore ownership. So I never look at my ownership when I, I'm captain in a player. And the second thing is, if you use stats, that's fine. But eye test is so useful for, for making your decision. So my big one on Twitter that I'm sure a few people know about was the Grealish captaincy. I think it was in game week seven. So he bagged 15 points. So as a captain, he got me 30. And the main reason for that is I watched him in game week five and game week six. And he had several, several big chances. And he was creating left, right and centre. He looked so energetic and everything was going through him in that Villa team. And that Villa team looked incredibly dangerous. I didn't look at the stats once. Okay, and it, it was it was a gut feeling, but it was mainly based on just having watched him. He looked absolutely fantastic. And that's what happened with De Bruyne last week. I think De Bruyne was very unlucky in game week nine not to return. And I think he looked like the catalyst for the Man City team. And if anyone was going to do anything in this Man City team to get them that first big win, it was going to be De Bruyne. So um, I'd say I use a, use a combination of eye test and cat, uh, gut feeling. And I very rarely use stats. And if I'm going one way or the other, I'll choose what my gut says. Because the best thing about gut feeling, rather than it being accurate, is that you will feel positive afterwards. If I choose my gut decision, I can only blame myself. I'm not going to say, oh, I was influenced by his ownership or someone else telling me to captain him. So, yeah, I'd say a mixture of ignore ownership, trust your eye, trust your eye test and trust your gut feeling. Mm, for sure. I mean, one thing that I sometimes use is... Um, uh, will they outscore Salah? I mean, uh, I think if I just stuck the armband on Salah every single week uh, this season, I would have scored more points uh, than changing my captain, which is a frustrating thing to to hear. But um, <laughs> Salah is so so reliable. I, I tend to think, uh, will this player outscore Mohamed Salah this week? And if he will, um, uh, put the captain on him. But Chris, do you do you have any? Uh, uh, favorites for the armband this week? Um, I think the obvious choice is De Bruyne, and I think if I'm just uh, saying I'm not going to overthink this, uh, I'm just going with De Bruyne, eyes closed. Obviously, that's going to be affected by what happens tonight and if he plays or by how much he plays. And I, I'm always going to wait until the uh, press conference news to ensure that everything is uh, fine, you know. But. Um, I just think he's the standout, and City should keep scoring um, to to prove a point, in my opinion, because they will want to to make the others know that they're back and they can uh, smash any team. So I think that's a really good reason to captain him. But I also like the looks of Son and uh, Cap Lewin. But I think I'm most likely going with De Bruyne, as I just need to pick the most the most reliable choice if I want to improve my captain points this year. Very nice. And um, what will your moves be like this week, Chris? Uh, what, what, who do you think you're bringing in and taking out? I'm doing nothing, honestly. I'm just going to bench Grealish, I guess. If And if it, the game is moved to another game week, then so be it. I'm going to have Angesa, and hopefully he can even do something, just like this week when he got seven points on my bench. So... I'm just going to roll the free transfer and reassess next weekend. Rolling the transfer. I like your style. I like your style. And Aditya, what, what are your plans this week? 
first and foremost, I have to somehow get in Kevin De Bruyne. I have two transfers and possibly I have to get him in somehow. So that's what I'm going to basically focus on now. And Ross, we were speaking earlier about getting James Rodriguez out, but uh, what's your plan for, for this week? I know your whole team is uh, able to play without making any uh, transfers, but uh, what, what will be your plan this week? The plan was always to roll the transfer and try and get Salah in for game week 12. But looking at my team, it, it really does depend on, on the, the Aston Villa-Newcastle game. And I've also got Tellez on a yellow flag. So if that game is postponed and it's not in game week 11 and Tellez is also out, then I'll have to make at least one transfer. And I'd potentially look at bringing out Watkins and maybe moving in Bamford or Che Adams, potentially. But Grealish will definitely not leave my team anytime soon. For sure. I think he's... Um, at one point, uh, very briefly in my mind, I was thinking Grealish's ownership is so high that um, I could just move uh, Grealish to, to Jota, um, even despite the fixtures, and try and uh, jump off before everyone else. But I mean, that 10 point really solidifies it for me. Um, my dilemma this week is I've only got one free transfer, and it's whether I keep Martinez or um, uh, whether I transfer him out or I, I move Jed Steer to someone like McCarthy. Uh, or take a minus four so that's definitely something I'll be pondering throughout the week um, but yeah so the, those are our plans I think for this week and uh, we've had a look at the, the captaincy as well and that was a really insightful eye-opening conversation about the, the, the sort of psychology behind the FPL so thank you very much Ross for that that was really really interesting um, and I haven't really sort of uh, looked into that before so that was uh, really good thanks for that um, but unless anyone has anything else to, to talk about, um, thank you all for listening from all of us at the Academica Vertex. Stay in tune and keep with us. Keep up with us on Twitter, FBR Academica, and at the underscore FF Academy. Um, hopefully we'll be back next week with another, another podcast. Um, so thank you all very much for listening, and we'll see you all next time.